up a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 3, Episode 4. Today's podcast is brought to you by BooklaunchMentor.com. If you've ever dreamed of writing and actually publishing your staggering work of genius, you will find all the mentoring and help you'll need to fulfill that book-launching dream. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to highlight the iTunes review of the week. Today's is by someone named Amy. And she writes, What I love about Mary is that her heart is able to hold a big enough space for the hard and the hope. In this podcast series, she lets the guests share their story without pushing them to get to the good part too early. She also doesn't rush God to show up and make things better. She lets God be God, the mysterious, glorious, unexplainably confusing part of God. Mary, I can't wait to hear more of these interviews. I'm going to recommend this to many. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate it. And I would appreciate it if you'd be willing to do a little iTunes review and you might get featured on the show as well. And if you would like to share your story, go ahead and click on the recording icon. It's a little microphone on marydemuth.com to share your own two-minute story. So today I am welcoming Vonda Vestal, and she actually was at the Restory Conference and shared her story there. And I just felt like it was important that I bring her on and have her share her story. And she's an amazing person, and you are just going to love what she has to share today. So um, without further ado, which I say so much, here is Vonda Vestal. Hey, everyone. It's Mary from The Restory Show, and I have Vonda Vestal on the show with me. She's also La Vonda, so I'll stick a little French in there and give her a definite article. And Vonda, thanks so much for coming on The Restory Show today. Thank you for having me, Mary. I'm excited. I am too. And actually, one of the cool things about Vonda is that she was in the inaugural Restory conference, and she shared her story there. And it was really, really great. So um, Vonda is an aspiring, nationally known speaker. (laughs) I'm saying that in faith, right? In faith, yes. I'm walking in faith with you. (laughs) Let's say internationally known, galactically known speaker. Um, So that'll help. So Vonda, um, introduce yourselves to the Restory show. And just kind of give us an, a snapshot of where you grew up and how you met Jesus and you, you've got a husband and all that kind of stuff. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, my name is Vonda. And well, you've already been introduced um, to me, but um, I grew up in South Dallas, um, which is, I like to call um, across the tracks. Um <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, in a neighborhood that's not a very friendly, you know, neighborhood, um, it was a very rough neighborhood and, and you had to grow up really fast in the neighborhood that I grew up in. It was, it was difficult. You learn things really quickly and you learned how to move really fast in my, in my neighborhood. So, you know, I grew up there and eventually I was able to, um, you know, move out of that place doing life, you know, what young people do, go to college, you know, um, get a chance to to kind of travel a little bit. And, you know, I did that. So, um, so I got out of that, you know, situation and, um, I just ended up in a place where, especially at college, I ended up in a place that was familiar to most people. I ended up, you know, pregnant, having to uh, raise a child on my own, you know, no husband, no, uh, no support in that way with the father. Um, but I did have a very supporting family 
and um, finished school um, with a child and got a teaching certificate. And I ended up meeting the man of my dreams. Um, <laughs> uh, we both were getting um, certified to teach and um, I ended up meeting him. It's funny, though, because uh, I'm probably the most African-American person you will ever meet. And he is probably the most Caucasian person. He's very pale. <laughs> <laughs> very. And um, it was sweet. And it was nothing more than, you know, God's fingerprint on our lives. But before I actually met my husband, God had to change my heart. And um, he did that actually before we started dating and really getting involved is when I really got serious with Christ. A long short story short, uh, just uh, being in a place where I was living my life, doing what I wanted to do. And and God said enough. And and I listened to his voice. And and I think that night without me um, venturing into my usual things that night, when God said enough, I listened. And I believe that night he saved me from a certain death uh, <laughs> and because I was living my life fast and, and, I, and I know I was heading towards a brick wall. And so I think he was preparing my life for my husband and for the journey that we were going to embark upon because, you know, a couple months later, I ended up meeting Brandon and um, we have two beautiful children together. Well, plus the one that I had before our marriage, but he takes care of her as if he's she's her own. And he's a great, 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 great uh, husband, great father. And. And we're here in Rockwall and we're still living life together 10 years later and and uh, bless God and praise God for all his blessings that he has done for for me and, and my family and and giving me the husband that he gave me, um, even though he wasn't what I thought he was going to be in my head. But he's exactly <laughs> what I needed. <laughs> and, uh, so that's where I am now, where yeah. I came from, and here's where I am. Here's where you are. Uh, I want to back up a little bit and just ask you about how did you know it was God's voice that spoke to you? Was it like through something, or did he just like grab you by the throat and say, Vonda, <laughs> how did that work? You know, I really think he um, he grabbed me by the throat because mm -hmm. I'm kind of stubborn. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you've probably noticed that about me, Mary, but, you know, <laughs> um, I am really stubborn and, and, and praise God that I had a, a praying mother and I have a mother that has, has always been in church and I've always have been close to God. You know, he was always there, um, even if I wasn't walking, you know, in my walk of faith, I knew where he was. Um, so, you know, I lived in a Christian household and my mother prayed over us constantly. And so. I knew where he was. I knew of him and I knew he was available, but I chose to do my own thing, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, and my mother would always say, you know, warning comes before destruction. And, you know, and I know the Bible and I know the word. I just wasn't living it and living the lifestyle I was living, you know, moving really fast. And, and I had a daughter at the time, of course, Faith was about four years old and, I was doing my usual routine, getting ready to go out, you know, and and I was quickened and and, and it, it caught me in my in my in my steps as I was getting ready and I was doing my normal thing. And it was a quickening of my heart. And it was like, Vonda, you are not going to make it to see your child grow up. Whoa. That was enough for me to say, huh? You know, you got my attention. Hmm. And I just remember looking at faith and being terrified that she wouldn't have me. And that moment, I, 
I said, okay, I'm no more running. I won't run anymore. I'm tired of running. And if you give me this opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to run for you and I'm going to, it's going to be real. It's not going to be any more fake. And I'm not just going to show up at church and I'm not just going to look the part, but I really want to be the part. And, and that's what happened. And I went in my bedroom and I fell on my knees. I closed my door. I fell on my knees and I just asked God to cleanse me and give me a new heart and give me a new walk and give me a new way of living and just, and make it real for me. And from that moment on, I've been living in that, um, in that moment, just making sure it was real. And it has been, it has been. I love that. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting that that's right. That's before you met Brandon. And I'm curious when you were sitting with him in class, cause I know you had a class with him was <laughs> yeah. like, did you like think, Oh, I wonder if that's going to be my husband someday. I'm guessing that's not the case. Like, did he bother you or did you like, Oh, he's fun. Or how did you think about him? It's funny because I was the only black girl in class and he was actually attracted to someone else <laughs> <laughs> with, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> but, um, and a matter of fact, he started dating her. But we caught each other's attention, but it was more of a, like a little, a friendly thing. You know, it wasn't anything romantic at first. He was curious and I was curious, but it never went past the, the curious stage. And funny enough, Mary, when we were together, it was like a, a prelude. I don't know. It was, it was really weird because, you know, it wasn't something like magical. It was, it was just like, oh, he's cute or, oh, she's different, you know, that kind of thing. And we lost contact for six months after that. And in that six months is when God started to work on me and he started to create in me a clean heart. And he started to prepare me for what was to come. And it is crazy because after six months, it was a a mutual friend that we had at the same place where we were getting certified. I saw him and I was like, Hey, do you remember Brandon? And he goes, well, yeah, I do. And I was like, man, I wonder if you could give me his number. And he was like, really? Like, I thought he thought I would want to talk to him, but I didn't. So, <laughs> I was so like, you want was his like, number, not mine. I know. <laughs> so he was like, you want his number? I was like, I would love his number. He gave me his number. And I was brave enough to call him that night, six months later. And he remembered me as if it was two days ago, you know, two days from that time. And and he could recall my name. He could recall everything about me. And it was almost like we didn't stop being friends six months later. And from that point on, we've just kind of been inseparable. Isn't it crazy? It was crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So what, uh, what kind of story do you want to, what story do you want to share today with the Restory show listeners? Well, as much as everything seems uh, peachy, you know, along on, on this journey, you know, it hasn't been, it's been rocky because, you know, I mentioned that Brandon and I, you know, we're a biracial couple with biracial children and, you know, our relationship started out rocky because of, of our relationship being biracial you know, with, with his family and, you know, and my family, you know, it was, it was kind of, um, hectic, you know, at the beginning and we had to make a decision if it's something that we wanted to fight for. And, um, we made that decision that we, we thought that what we had 
what God had put together. We knew it wasn't a mistake, that it was only something to fight for. And so, you know, we stayed in it. And um, these 10 years have not been easy. And we are still growing in these 10 years. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, every every day has been magical because it hasn't. (laughs) It has not been. It's been stressful um, from the outside, you know, how the outside affects us, our marriage. And um, it's been it's been hard. It's been challenging. And it still is 10 years later. I'm just glad that I have a husband that loves me enough to fight for me when sometimes I can't fight for myself. And I have that in him. And I think the reason it is so easy for him to fight for me and to fight for us is because he gets his strength from God. And he has to go to him a lot <laughs> because of the of the pressure and the strain of our relationship and how hard it's been. But I can say it has gotten easier. And I can say that now, you know, we know how to deal with things better. But it still is a challenge, especially with being an interracial couple, with everything that's going on in our world, in our society, raising children that even though they identify with black and white, the world sees our children as black and that's also have been a huge struggle um, with our family and what we've been going through. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I mean, every parent in the world worries about their kids, but I can imagine that it is one million times harder knowing that your children, because of their skin color, might be pulled over by a policeman, you know, because of their skin color. And, you know, that doesn't go on everywhere, but it sometimes happens and sometimes way more than we would like to believe. And so there's that fear I can imagine that you would have just, and, you know, for the listeners, you're living in the same city I live in and it's very white. It's a little more integrated than it used to be, but for the most part, it's a pretty much a white bedroom community of Dallas. And you came from, you came from (laughs) Dallas, which was in the part of where you grew up was predominantly black. And so you've had to, I mean, I can't even imagine the culture shock it must have been to come live in this city. I mean, can you give us some examples of what that might look like? Well, first of all, when my husband said a couple years ago, we're going to move to Rockwall, I looked at him like, huh? We're moving where? Are you sure? (laughs) And, and, you know, and we did, we really did pray about, we really did pray about it, you know, Brandon more than me, because I was really against going. But but I, I believe that my husband needed to come here and follow God's direction. And as a wife, I needed to be with my husband and follow my husband here. It's not easy living in in this area sometimes because a lot of opinions are very blatant um, about racial, about racial things. Um, It's very blatant. And, and sometimes it's really hard to stomach, especially when I'm on the receiving end of negative comments. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, it's really hard to stomach sometimes. And um, 
So, you know, I'm, I'm with me, it's easy to deal with it. But when I, when I hear it with my kids, then that's when I, you know, get really nervous about that situation. Yeah, the, I would imagine the mama bear comes out. Mm-hmm, it and, does. And she comes out with her claws. <laughs> Um, I want to go back just a little bit one more time because I was remembering a time in my own marriage, the very, 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 very beginning of our marriage, even before we were married. And I suffered a lot from Patrick's family, particularly his parents, because I wasn't Catholic. And uh, even though my name is Mary Elizabeth and sound very Catholic, (laughs) I was not. And uh, it was really bad. Even on our wedding day, it was very uncomfortable and they made it very uncomfortable and did some pretty awful things. But what I remember most is I've I've let that go and I've forgiven and I've moved forward, but Patrick defended me and he stood up for me. And so I guess that's part of the story I want to bring out is how has, in the very beginning, because I know you faced this from the moment you started your relationship, how did how did you know that it was going to be okay? And what impressed you about the way that he stood up for you? And how did that look for you? Okay. The biggest thing for me, there are lots of incidents, but <laughs> yeah, the biggest thing for me is when we started dating, when I knew, oh my God, this man, he really loves me. Like, okay. So, so, um, he, his grandmother and everything is, you know, is, is fine now, but at the very beginning. Okay. So his grandmother was very vocal about our, our relationship and so much. So she put her, her comments all together in a nice seven page letter. No, that was, <laughs> that was written and delivered to Brandon and nice wow. and long letter of, why this relationship is not the best for him and why he should not go down this path and why I'm not the right person for him and how she won't be attending any ceremonies if we decided to go any further. And I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. And I wanted so desperately to read this letter, Mary, so bad. I just want to read. I just want to read. And he goes, no. And I was like, well, where is the letter? He said, I burned it. <laughs> I was like, you did what? He said, I burned it. I said, but I wanted to read it. He said, you don't need to read that because the only person that matters in this relationship is you and me. The words of other people does not matter. They don't matter. He burned that letter. He will not let me read it. And he cut off communication. Hmm. with his grandmother Hmm. for me. Wow. And his very words were, if you cannot accept her in my life, you don't accept me in your life. And I was like, oh my gosh, he really loves me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He fought for me and he stood up to the matriarch of his family for me. You know, also, you know, everybody who felt that way, he was taking a stand to anyone for me. And that let me know that everything would be okay, especially if I gave this man my everything, my heart and give it to him, that he will take care of it. And he's he's lived up, he's, he's lived up to it up until this point. He's done a great job. <laughs> it's been 10, with it. <laughs> 10 years now, right? <laughs> Oh, 10 years. I can't believe it was 10 years ago I saw your wedding. That's just so crazy to me. 10 years ago, 
three dress sizes ago. (laughs) We won't speak of that. (laughs) We don't want to be too sad. But yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful that he saw in you the beauty that I see in you and that so many people see in you and that he stood his ground. And because I think, especially now in the world that we live in, it's really rare to see someone put their foot down for what is right and to even stand this I think is really hard. And the perplexing thing I'm thinking through these days is how do you make a stand when your stand is standing against prejudiced ideas of other Christians? I mean, these aren't just random people. These are people who are following Jesus and they are steeped in some sort of fear and prejudice that is running deep and it's wrong. And so it's, it's learning how to how do you do that? And how do you stand up to stuff like that? And so I I love his commitment to you and to the fidelity of the gospel, because, you know, the gospel is all about everyone. I mean, you go to Revelation, you see every tribe, every tongue, every nation of the world bowing down to Jesus. And I, you know, I just want to bring you back to that moment where we, you and I had the privilege of going to Montreal. And I remember sitting in this room of La Chapelle and uh, we were together for the very first time, our team and the church planting team of La Chapelle. And uh, they started worshiping in French. And it was your first time to hear worship in a, in another language and So I just want to hear what you had to say about that particular moment in your life, because it was beautiful for me to watch you, but I want to hear what, how you felt about it. Oh man, La Chapelle, Montreal. I will never, ever, ever forget that experience. I'm, I'm tearing up now just thinking about it. Um, You know, it was an authentic experience when everything was in another language, but it resonated with your heart and your soul and you could still worship. You know, I didn't understand the words, but the worship was so powerful that I didn't have to understand the words. I just, it just resonated in my spirit and in my heart. And it was just so real and authentic. And God was just all through that place and you could feel his presence. Like, literally touching your skin. I I mean, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. I mean, it was the experience of worshiping in another language and, you know, in another culture and just watching, watching this group of people that I've never come in contact with before that I don't understand the language. I don't speak French at all, but being in the midst of those group of people and seeing them authentically praise God in their own language. Oh my gosh, it was such a powerful moment for me. I will never, ever forget it. Just the spirit was just so thick throughout that place. It was so full. And you just left that place knowing that you were in the presence of God, genuinely worshiping him and praising him. And you could feel just how powerful his presence was in that room, in that building and in those people. It was incredible. I will never forget it ever, ever. Yeah, it was, it was stunning and it was beautiful. And 
it, it's it's such an amazing thing, and I think every every Christian on the face of the earth should hear a worship song in another language, just to even if it means just going on YouTube and finding someone in German, you know, speaking singing a song to Jesus, because it's a very important reminder that Jesus isn't American. I guess I grew up thinking he, I I knew he wasn't like of course you know your Bible he's from Palestine and he's he looks Jewish and probably very dark skinned and and uh, well tanned from being outside and carpentry and all of that and uh, but for some reason we make him into our own image and so to see him being worshipped in Ghana or see him being worshipped in France or South Africa or some of the other places God has taken me to has reminded me of the universal body of Christ and that he is everything to everyone. And, uh, it's, it's, he's not American <laughs> and I'm glad he's not because we're, we're weird. <laughs> I like that, Mary. I like that. I'm going to steal that. Is that okay? Yeah. You steal it. <laughs> you get to steal it. That was really good. A very powerful <laughs> reminder it that is God a- is everywhere and he is what everyone needs him to be. And he's not just American. Oh my gosh. Yes, that is beautiful. That's a great reminder. And you know, it's just, it's lovely to think about things like people in the underground church and in various places around the world or people that are being martyred for their faith where they, it's such a privilege for them to meet together. And we forget, I mean, we just, you know, I I go to a gigantic church and I forget what a privilege it is to just assemble, you know, just to be with. It's, It's really amazing. So as you look back on this story, and there's so much to say there, I mean, we could talk for hours about that, but what kind of advice would you give someone who, I guess you could say um, for someone that's in a biracial marriage or just someone maybe, it could be like an intercultural marriage too, like someone that's from another country or whatever. I mean, you're, you're talking about two cultures being merged together into marriage. What kind of advice would you give to someone in that situation? I've had to learn that I can't change people <laughs> as much as I would love to. <laughs> and you would try. <laughs> no, right? I would love to change people, but I can't. I cannot. I think that people in a biracial relationship just need to to just be genuine in their relationship. And and I think when people see how well your relationship works and how beautiful their relationship is, I think they will come to see. Because as much turmoil that my husband and I had at the beginning with certain people, oh, they're just all, they love us. They love me now. I mean, they, there's no, there's nothing, you know, dividing us or in between us or separating us anymore. I mean, there's like a genuine, true love between the people who disagree with our relationship now is totally different. It's going to take time. It's going to, it's going to take some tears. <laughs> it's going to take some prayer, lots of prayer. Um, and it's going to take you and your significant other to stay strong and connected through it all. Cause um, if there's any small amount of separation between the two of you, then that's going to be the place where wedges can um, creep their way into the relationship and cause and cause deeper separation. So you just have to know that um, the person that you are with is right for you, no matter the color, you know, or no matter the culture or whatever it might be. You just have to know that the person that you are with is right for you 
God is in the midst of your relationship and you plant the seeds and let God water um, those seeds in other people's lives. And it will come to pass that people will see you for who you are, a beautiful couple that has been put together by the grace of God. And that's it. I think that that your marriage is also a an archetype of the body of Christ and how, you know, it it should be. And I also think, you know, for anyone that's married that's listening to this today, I think there's some very some extreme power in the fact that when you are not facing each other and fighting and you are facing something outside of yourselves and fighting together that there is a lot of power in that. And you know what you mentioned about having schisms in your relationship if you if you can mend those and fight outwardly for your relationship and instead of picking at the relationship it can actually make your relationship a lot stronger when it's you and me against the world versus my world versus your world. Those are two different things. And so for people struggling in marriage, if they can find something outside of themselves to kind of, if they're going to fight an injustice together or whatever it is, it's going to only strengthen their marriage. Find something, find something that both of you can hold on to and connect with that will make a huge, huge difference. Absolutely. So as you look back over this year, I mean, you had a baby and everything. So how has God restoried you or given you a new story? Oh, Mary, uh, Asha is now seven months. Is she crawling yet? She, uh, she, oh, she was crawling last month. Oh my <laughs> gosh. She was an early crawler. Goodness. She's pulling up too, standing on her feet already as well. She's a... Uh, She's moving rather quickly. I think it's because she knows I'm old and I'm ready for her to start walking. (laughs) She's trying to help mommy out. That's good. She's doing Uh, her task. Yes. This year, um, even though, you know, uh, Asha is a a tremendous blessing to this family. I mean, she brings joy not only to me, to our marriage, to our relationship, but I mean, she brings so much joy to her siblings. Faith is my 16-year-old. Whenever she's had a bad game or a bad day or whatever it might be, she comes home, she holds Asha, everything melts away. (laughs) Judah is a great, you know, big brother. He takes care of her. And, you know, she is definitely, definitely a joy to our family. I cannot even tell you how much she is, but she is a huge joy. But although she brings a lot of joy to the family, you know, some decisions had to be made, you know, financially. And this year is going to probably be the one of the toughest years financially that we've had, you know, as a family. And so um, dealing with that and just trying to get through, you know, those kind of issues, you know, has, has, has been a huge challenge. I stayed home with Asha for two months um, just because I felt like I needed to, um, didn't get paid for it. And so we're still kind of feeling that. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still kind of feeling that, but you know, we both felt like there's something that I needed to do and you know, we prayed about it and we knew how tight it was going to be and so we decided to for me to stay home and you know, we're still dealing with it, but you know, we're still eating. <laughs> That's good. You know. <laughs> you know, not a bill has has gone unpaid. You know, it's been a struggle. God kept his promise. He said that we would be okay. We would be taken care of. It's not I wish that we, it was, it looked different, but it doesn't, you know, but, you know, God has kept his promise. You know, nothing has, has changed. You know, we're still in the same place. It's 
it's difficult, but we just continue to lean on God and, you know, to see us through. We just got a couple more months to get through, you know, the end of the school year. And and then, you know, the next school year will look different, hopefully. But there's a lot of things that I'm I'm praying for right now. So I'm just going to wait and be patient and just hope for the best and know that God got my um, best interest at heart. So we'll see. I think uh, I can strongly say that many of us relate to that. I think a lot of us, you know, are in that I trust you, but I don't trust you. I mean, I I choose to trust you, but I don't see how this is going to work out. Or I know you own the cattle on a thousand hills, but the bill needs to be paid. And, you know, it's just this, uh, this paradox of trust that we have a hard time with. And it's just very human and very normal. And even though, you know, we're like the Israelites, we just came through the Red Sea and we're like, oh no, we're going to die in the wilderness. And we forget (laughs) about the Red Sea. And it was so big and so amazing, but we forget. So that's part of the human condition, I think. And uh, I I can hear you. We, you know, you know, with us, uh, Patrick had a, a job loss for most of last year. And so we have walked through that same valley of the shadow of financial stress <laughs> and it's not a very fun thing and a lot of people live in that place and we can just... I don't like it Mary no I don't, I don't like either it. I don't really prescribe it to anybody <laughs> but, but it does teach I trust like rain down from the clouds over me you know where's my <sighs> gold tooth filling I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that would be great <laughs> what a way though you yeah know, yeah that's true. what a way to really show you know, okay, Lord, I trust you. You know, I do. I, I, I'm trusting you. I'm. We're gonna walk through this together. I mean, what a good testimony is gonna be. A great testimony when, when finally the the trees start to clear and you can see, you know, through the trees. There's a beautiful horizon. You know, it's it's there. You know, you just can't see the horizon for the trees. But you know, just getting through the the forest is is what we are. We're just walking. We're just in our we're in our trees right now we're in the midst of midst of our valley, but there is a horizon. Just haven't got there yet. And that's the hardest part. I know it's there, but I just don't want to walk through the thick of the bushes and the thorns and the, uh, you know, it's, but you know, well, we know God said that, you know, just because you become a Christian don't mean you won't have tribulations and trials. So true. So true. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Restory Show today. I so appreciate it. And thank you for candidly sharing your story. I know it's going to be a blessing to many. This was great. But I do have one request, Mary. (laughs) Yes. So uh, Faith and I are going on our first missions trip together in March. Yay! We're going to Haiti. And I just want you to pray for that trip and all the people that are going to go on that trip. And just keep us in your prayers and Keep us on your mind when we are over in Haiti, um, worshiping and helping others going to the orphanage. And this is this is going to be new for faith. And um, just keep us in your prayers. Pray for us. I'm a little uh, nervous myself because just knowing Haitian culture and what goes on over there. And um, not nervous, just, you know, don't know what's going to happen. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the whole Restory audience will be praying for you. And let me pray for you right now. Jesus, thank you so much for Vonda and Faith and their adventure to Haiti in March. And we lift her up and we pray for divine appointments while she's there. We we pray for provision for the trip, provision for her family while she's away. I pray for protection for Faith, but I pray it would be a, a faith builder for her, that she would begin to see you, just as Vonda saw in Montreal, that you are the God of all different cultures and all different languages. And 
I do pray that you would work mightily through them and it would change their lives forever and also just bless their relationship as they go forward that would just really cement them together in a beautiful way. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Mary. This was great. Thanks for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord Jesus, we we pray for those who have suffered prejudice. We pray for those who have a hard time making it in this crazy world that we live in. We pray for the people in our own lives who are far from you. We lift them up to the throne of God and we pray ardently and earnestly that you would um, take them, take their hearts, be near them, woo them to yourself. Thank you that you love the people in our lives more than we do and you love the wanderer even more than we do. And I'm so grateful for that. Lord, whatever journey you have us on this week, I pray that your presence would be near and that you would intersect our to-do lists and our tasks and the relationships that we have and help us to pause and slow down enough this week to hear your voice. I'm so grateful that you love us. I'm so grateful you love me. I'm so thankful for your grace. Praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more information about today's show, head on over to marriedmuth.com, restory 3-4, and may you live a brand new story this week.